Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. The areas, this area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history and rich mountain cultures that we will explore weekly with episodes and experts and all sorts of good stuff. (laughs) I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in those mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. So today it's just me. I'm eventually going to talk to you about the entrances to the Great Smoky Mountains Natural Park and why they're interesting and some of the things to do in the towns and areas around those entrances. But uh, right now, I just want to know how y'all doing. I just found out today that my son and my, my, uh, his wife had COVID and got over it before they told anybody. <laughs> I was shocked. Oh, the bravery of youth. But uh, I think it expresses a certain stoicism that he probably got through me uh, from mountain culture. Oh, he's or more likely he got it from his grandfather because he used to spend um, the summers there for two or three weeks at a time. And my my dad was a as my dad is still a very uh, suck it up and go kind of guy, and, I, and that's sort of emblematic of a lot of the people in the mountains. Um, yeah, I went and listened to my, uh, first few podcasts and realized that I was talking loud and fast and I didn't like it. Um, it doesn't express the Smoky Mountains. Uh, I guess I was eager to express my, um, my, uh, passion for my heritage and for the, um, the, to sell you on coming to the area, but, uh, that's not really what the Smoky Mountains is about. There's a certain ease of living, even when it's hard, that is, I think, characteristic of the culture. You, you just don't talk fast and you don't sell everybody. Uh, and I, I guess I'm going to have to relearn that doing that podcast because I've been in New York for quite a while. Um, I still go down there about every month, but, you know, things wear off on you. So I'll do my best and you all hold me to account when I don't, Okay. So um, talking about COVID and the mountains and things like that, I, 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 got the, I, got, I was searching for some information, and I found a poem about coming to the mountains for a visit. You know, it felt apropos in these times. It's by a poet named Linda Harnett, and it was written in 2014, and I'm just going to say it. Um, I think it's pretty uh, – it was memorable to me, so I'll just, I'll just read it. I traveled to the mountains through long and winding road, my destination aimless, tune into the chill out mode. I marvel at the mountains and breathe the cool, clean air. So strange to think that yesterday was dawned in deep despair. I leave it all behind me. Today, I am simply free. I'm running with the wind now, for now I'm being me. I found a new horizon where I may rest my eyes as sit 
a while in wonder as the mountains pierce the skies. As I turn the corner, I see what lies ahead. Another stunning vista is where I'm being led. I I know the road I've traveled. I've been where I have been. So full of twists and turnings, an ever-changing scene. I take a last look at the mountains and prepare to make my descent. I'm heading home for home, and I'm happy just knowing my journey was meant. And that was in May 23, 2014. Now, the first line that jumped out at me was this, in this time of despair, deep despair, deep despair. You know, we're, we've been going through hard times for the last year and uh, or so. Uh, and maybe people longer, maybe some people less. But, um, you know, you can be refreshed in the mountains. And I think that, you know, this poem really spoke to uh, to me about that, especially after reading it, just after I found out my son had had it. Um and I think that's always been a, a lure of the, the the mountains, and especially the Smoky Mountains, is that you go there to 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 relax, to um, to have a certain ease of living, to um, to um, just sit back and enjoy life and see, breathe the clean, cool air. You know that they've actually had a sixteen percent growth in uh, tourism this last year in the mountains. Well, now that, you know, that's because people were escaping, you know, local travel has become, is, is, is big and people within a hundred miles or so just, just want to get away and they know they can go there and be pretty safe. Um, you know, I, I was, I was reading it and I was, uh, it struck me by a poem, I, a quote, I mean, from uh, Mark Twain. That was, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones that you did do. So throw off the bowline, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sail, explore, dream, discover. And I think that even in the, the times where we're in quarantine or having to be away from other people, going outdoors and going to places where there's still natural beauty and wildness, a safe sort of wildness to go, you know, catch the the winds in your sails, climb a mountain, explore, dream, discover, leave it all behind me. Today, I'm simply free. I'm running with the wind now for me. For now, I'm being me. I just, I just think that's incredibly lovely. Um, You know, and you get to find new horizons and, and, um, and uh, rest your eyes on wonder. You see vistas every time you'd make a curve in the, in the in these mountain roads. It opens up to a new vista that's just awestruck. It's just it's just it, you just you just your breath is taken away, especially believe it or not in the winter, because you're, you're driving these roads and the, the leaves have, have, tr- have trimmed away. There's still the greenery because you have evergreens, but you have. You know, the, 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 the leaves have revealed the beauty of the view that they protected from all year long. And that only the people brave enough to go uh, and explore and discover during a cold time can see. 
and they're stunning. I mean, I'm just telling you, the views are stunning. Um, and so, and you know, and I think every time you go, you discover a new adventure. I mean, you're traveling a road that you've been before. It's I've been where I've been. It's been where I've been, but it's an ever-changing scene. You know, you're always seeing something new. Everything's different. Um, and then when you go home, when you go home, when you leave the mountains, you actually feel refreshed and you feel happy. All right, you've you've done something. You've gone. You've you've experienced a different culture. You've seen different things. You've been out out of doors. You've had clean, clear water. You've had some of the cleanest, you know, waters in the, in the in the United States, maybe the world. You've had, you know, some air that's unperturbed by you know pollution, and it's just I think a wonderful escape, especially in these times. And it reminds me that you know President Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, when he was dedicating these. Um, um, these, this, this park, he said, there are trees here that stood before our forefathers ever came to this continent. There are brooks that still run as clear as on the day the first pioneer cupped his hand and drank from them. In this park, we shall conserve these trees, the pine, the redwood, the dogwood, the azalea, the rhododendron, and the trout the, and the thrush for the happiness of the American people. And more than the American people, I think it's the happiness of people from all over the world. It, it, it sort of was a, you know, an emotional uh, day. And this really is, I think, um, sums up my feeling for the mountains and why I come back so much um, and never really left home. I've been all over the world and I lived several different places and I love city life because, you know, I need a lot of stimulation, but then, when I get a little crazy, I have to go back home. I have to have that clean, clear wa waters and the, the cool breathe and clean air. And I have to have the adventures in the, in, the, in, the, in the wilds. I have to recharge by going there. Um, and, you know, I, I think it, it works for just about anybody to do that. Um, and um, so I encourage you to um, consider it your home away from home, the place you go and explore, because it was meant for you when it was first consecrated. It was meant for you to come and to have that recharging experience, and especially in these times of uh, COVID and um, and you know, <laughs> you know, violence and riots and yeah, you know, politicization. It's something where everybody can go without worrying about what the politics of your neighbors are, you know, without uh, yeah, because you're all looking at nature and you're all escaped from that world for a brief time, and you can just be human beings together, looking at things, you know, socially distanced because you're outside, you can be away, but you can still be aware of other people. Um, and, you know, I, when you first get there, you come to all these towns that have tourism, things that seem, some of them seem a little crass, some of them seem authentic. But when you go up into the park and you go up into the wilderness, it's still as authentic and beautiful and undisturbed as it's ever been. And that you can explore um, in a way, I think, that you don't get to do a lot in your life. All right. So when we come back. We're going to talk about uh, ways to get into the Smoky Mountains uh, and what's going on around those entrances. Howdy. 
This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies um, podcast. Uh, I'm my guest today, uh, and I'm talking about the entrances to the Smoky Mountains. Now, I, you know, I, I don't know why I, I, it's a thing, <laughs> but um, it, it, if you're if you're if you're looking around online, you'll see lots of talk about the entrances to the Smoky Mountains. Um, they evidently have, in the years since I've grown up, become an important cultural aspect of visiting and where you're going to come in at. And I guess it's because the crowds have come and people want to know well, which ones are the most fun and which ones are the easiest to get one and where's the secret ones and all that sort of stuff. Um, so um, the ones on the Tennessee side are, are fairly well known. Um, and I'll talk about them another day, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the less well-known ones on the North Carolina side. Um, uh, just to, um, just to, um, you know, give some, you know, give some balance to the whole conversation about the entrances. So, like I said, I didn't, um, I didn't know much about entrances growing up. I, I just, I would go, I would ride on a trail somewhere and then we'd be in the Smoky Mountains or we'd just go and get in a car and drive somewhere and we'd be in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, you know, there was no, oh, this is, the, this is the, you know, the certain entrance. Um, I lived near the Appalachian Trail and of course that goes through the Smoky Mountains and I'd walk on that and hike on that and be in the Smoky Mountains. So uh, I actually had to do a little research um, you know, and, uh, and find out more about the, the official names of them and what they are. And so it's sort of fun for me to do some reading here and I'm gonna give you some of that information. Uh, but anyway, the entrances concept is as new as you, to me, as it is to you. The first one I'm going to talk about is Newfound Gap Road and O'Connell Lefty, uh, uh, entrance to the Great Smoky Mountains. Okay. So Newfoundland, there's a road called Newfoundland Gap Road, and it's the road almost everyone who visits the Great Smoky Mountains National Park will drive on. It is a section of US 441 that crosses the park north to south over the crest of the Great Smoky Mountains. And it links the towns of Cherokee and Gatlinburg, which is on the Tennessee side, and Cherokee being on the North Carolina side. Um, you know, what's interesting is, is that before they built the Smoky Mount, uh, the, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, there used to be a gap up there called Indian Gap. And everybody thought that that was the lowest gap to cross that crest that there existed. But when they went to build the, the, uh, the, 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 the road, you know, and, and to go, go across it and help, you know, you know, with the Smoky Mountain building it, is that they found there was actually a gap that was 15, I guess, 15 miles uh, deeper and or some, or some, some amount of deeper. I, I forget the exact details, but, and so they started to call it a new gap, newfound gap. And then, you know, then it, that it became the, that became the name of the feature and it became the name of the road. Uh, so this newfound gap name and the road are all birthed with the great Smoky Mountains National Park. Um now I want to talk, talk a little bit about Cherokee before we go into what the what the park is like. You know, Cherokee is a town in the Kuala Boundary Indian Reservation, which is not actually 
uh, technically a reservation. It's a it's it's actually a private land that's that's held in trust by the federal government, uh, and it, and that can be privately owned, bought, and sold by people. But that people had to be enrolled in the eastern tribe of the Cherokee Indians. Um, so it's um, it's a it's a it's a, it's a special uh, area, I think, in in that regard. Now in Cherokee, it's a great town to go visit. All right. And, you know, you can see original culture there. You can see original Indian culture. Um, you can see spectacular waterfalls. Um, there's there, They have some great fly fishing tournaments there. And, of course, you can see they have a they have some great Cherokee cultural attractions. And I think one of the most beautiful is the, the Cherokee Museum. One of the first times I ever saw 3D technology used was when I went to that museum, I don't know, 20 years ago. And you have, you go through it, and they have a medicine man as a guide in all the different ex- uh, experiences, but he shows up as a hologram. So he's in a hologram and all these things, and it was really cool. It was mind-blowing at the time. Uh, and, and I would recommend there. And you go there, and there's like all sorts of interesting shopping. You know, I love there's a, there's a couple stores. One of them has, you know um, – where you can go find original masks. I love masks. And they have all these, they have these, these uh, indigenous people that will create masks in the, in the mountains in the, of Cherokee. And, you know, they, and they have represent all sorts of aspects of culture, but they're huge. They're well-crafted, beautiful artifacts. And, you know, they're, 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 they're making them for, um, for, uh, for selling to, to support themselves and, and, you know, and bring income into their family. So it's not cultural appropriation to go buy some because they're, they're doing it for that purpose. Um, and it's actually helping them. So you can go there, buy some beautiful masks and, and, you know, and they use things, you know, interesting textures of grasses and things to make hair and other, you know, um, elements of the mask that, you know, are just surprising. Um, also, that's big in Cherokee is there's there's these storytelling bonfires that are like every Saturday and Friday night during the warm months and 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 and, and into the and into the cooler months, but not into the really uh, cold, where they tell mountain stories, Cherokee stories, uh, which are in, are incredible, you know, fun events for both fam- for fam- for families and individuals. You can you have the, they have amazing shopping there. Um, they've got casinos there. So now, so, you know, that's really, uh, has made the town itself really more upscale. So they got some incredible stores there, but they still have some, you know, some charming stores too. Um, uh, you know, from the old days that are still around. So you can capture both sort of a, a, a little bit more glitz and also get a lot of that, the mountain, uh, town charm there. Um, and you can, and then there's some really great shows and you know, and, and cultural, you know, uh, performances there. And and everybody should go see the outdoor drama unto these hills that tells the story of the tale of tears, which I, I'm assuming most of you, you will know. And if not, you should go look it up online. I'm not going to go into it right this second, but. Um, it's it basically it's the, the the trail of moving uh, many of the Cherokee to Oklahoma that was forced upon them by the government. Uh, a wonderful quote I read while doing my research was, "We're still here. We're still Cherokee. We speak our language, dance our songs, 
know our history, our culture, our hearts, arts. We are Cherokee. I feel it's a duty to our ancestors to bring these events to life and to allow the outside world to have perspective on the events that transpired and how they shaped us as a people. And this is said by Mike Crow, who is a, a Cherokee native who has performed in the outdoor drama under these hills for the last 12 seasons. They, 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 it seems to me they approach um, their community and their professions and their tourism with a depth of feeling and thought that makes it uh, pretty special to go there. So anyway, the um, U.S. 441 leaves the, the, the Koala Boundary Indian Reservation, the town of Cherokee, and shortly enters into the uh, Smoky Mountain, the Great Smoky Mountain Park. Uh, and there's an entrance sign there. The Blue Ridge, uh, and it's, um, it's actually, I think, called the Blue Ridge Parkway Entrance. Um, and it's at, at about mile point. No, there's an entrance to the point, uh, Blue Ridge Parkway once you get into the park. So you can actually travel um, all the, the 469 miles to uh uh, to the Shenandoah National Park by getting, starting at the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway right there in, in outside of Cherokee. One of the first things you're going to see is something called the Okona Lufty Visitor Center, and it and it's um, it, it's, it's, it is a it is a very busy uh, location. There's a there's a trail that starts there. There's also a visitor center. It's one of the four visitor centers in the park, so it's worth stopping there. Um, and it's open almost every day except for Christmas. Uh, and it's, you know, it's tuned out of nine to five. Um, and it's, um, and it has lots of little interesting programs. There's, and there's some ranger led programs about the, you know, the park there. Um, and they have, uh, they have a, another museum exhibit there that tells life in the mountains from a native Americans. Uh, they also have a, um, the uh, they have a, a farm museum, all right, and it, uh, a mountain farm museum that has actually log structures of a farmhouse, a barn, smokehouse, apple house, corn cribs, and others, and it and it actually has demonstrations of mountain farm life uh, that is conducted seasonally. So it's a very interesting, especially for kids to go and stop there. And it also has bookstores, shops, and things like that. So when you keep going on through that um, that entrance to the uh, to the Great Smoky Mountains, you're going to run across Mingus Mill, which is um, is a really old uh, grist mill that's still in operation and it's usually open in, in the in the seasonal months. So you can stop, see how grist is made. It's an interesting experience for the kids. Um, there's some great campgrounds along the way in the. Uh, and uh, in the parkway and in the in the park and those entrances, especially the smoke mark, and uh, and it's one of the and it's one of the two that is open all year round. Uh, there's some great. There's also along that route. There's a lot of great picnic areas, um, and there's trails that start uh, from that route. And especially uh, there's the the Kepart Prong Trailhead. Um, and it's uh, and it follows along the uh, Kefart Frong, which is a really, um, uh, really you know a beautiful spot, and, and then it makes it to a historic shelter. And of course, then you get to Clemens uh, Dome, which is one of the uh, one of the tallest, highest point. It's the, actually the highest point in the park. 
uh, and you can go up uh, Cleveland uh, Road off the um, off the uh, the Newfound Gap Road to get right up to that spot. And you enter the Tennessee. We'll talk about you know I'm not going to talk about too much in your tea, but you end up you see Chimney Top, Chimney Top. You get a couple more trails, and you end up going into the Sugarlands Valley Nature Trail, and and, and that's really where. Um, the, the, that's actually the Sugarland uh, Valley's Nature Trail and and Gatlinburg where it ends is the is the largest uh, entrance to the trail with the most people because you know Gatlinburg is a huge tourist town it's got Dollywood and things like that so um, so, it, the, so the two biggest entrants are the uh, Kona Lufty and then the Sugarlands uh, and so this. You know, major uh, this this new cap this new gap newfound gap road goes between the two biggest entrances to the um, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Um, so what we'll come back, we'll talk about some more entrances uh, to the national park. Well, howdy! This is uh, Joseph Franklin McElroy with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Um, and I'm here talking about the entrances to the Smoky Mountain, Great Smoky Mountain National Park on the North Carolina side. Um, now, my favorite is one of the most remote uh, entrances to the to the the GSMT up Um It's called Cataloochee Valley, and the reason it's my favorite is because I grew up real near to it. Um, it's um, it's a it's a valley that probably a lot of my ancestors were um, and would go visit and, and know the people there, you know. The, they, when they mention all the names, I know them all. <laughs> yeah, they all and some of them are in my you know my family tree. So it, it is my uh, it's, it has to be my favorite. When I was a kid, we'd go there, you know, to go uh, up and you know in there and go uh, do some hiking and and other things. So it was a, it was a playground for us. Um, Catabuchi Valley was actually settled in the 1800s by homesteaders. It actually flourished in, all the way up until when they made it into the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in 1928. And that's when the, there started to be rumors that the U.S. government was buying up lands uh, for the uh, park. And so a lot of people started moving out. Uh, and then by 1938, there was only a few, uh, few remained and then the, the, the rest did move away. Um, but you know, because they stayed so long and up until the time that it was, it was ending, you know, that it was being built there, there's a lot of old community buildings that were preserved for historic display. So there's, there's a, there's an old chapel called the Palmer Chapel. There's an old barn called the Well, Will Messer, Messer. Uh, barn and there's a Caldwell place. Uh, Caldwells and Messers or Palmers are still big surnames in the in the mountains there, uh, and some of them are my relatives. Um, and there's a, but they also you know so it's it's a great place to go. There's lots of hiking. There's lots of campground. There's a lot of wildlife watching. I don't know if you know that, but there's an there, there's more diversity of birds I think in the the Great Smoky Mountains than anywhere else. Uh, and of course, fishing is huge catching brown uh, brown trout in small mountain streams is is an adventure and incredibly fun and if you go to some of the bigger streams they stock it with rainbow trout which give you a real game fish experience um you know and then 2001 um the the national park service reintroduced elk into the smoky mountains and they did it in cataloochee valley 
Uh, and it was the first time elk had been in those woods for over 150 years. And they have, they have actually really um, thrived there. Uh, they, they, and, um, and they actually come out of the, they're, they're now all over the place. They're, they're seen in Cherokee. They're seen in Maggie Valley. Uh, there was a, a video that went around the other day with a herd of elk walking into Maggie Valley. Um, so it's, it's not at all, um, to see elk, you can, you can actually see it in the surrounding towns, but going up in those, in that valley and seeing them in their natural habitat and all the different seasons, they do different things. It's, it's an incredible experience. Um, so, um, Cataluchi Valley is generally, is, is, is supposedly open year round, but you know, a lot of times the roads get closed because they're, they're pretty rickety roads getting up in there. You, you actually have to get off from I-40 uh, at exit 20, and then you, you turn right onto, uh, onto Cove Creek Road, and then you're going to be driving almost 11 miles to the Cataloochee Park entrance. Um, but that Cove Creek Road is, is, is only paved in some sections, and others, others it's just dirt and gravel, and sometimes it's only one way. Yeah, you know, so uh, and it's got hairpin turns, and it's got rough road, so it can make it um, it can make it an adventure to get to there. Sometimes it can take uh, an hour to get go that eleven miles, and even an hour and a half is what I've heard. So I was talking about you know what what besides all the ne- the, the normal outdoor things that you can do, it, it's really fun to be aware that you know there's some definite seasons to the elk that makes it um, that makes it. Uh, um, something to go year round to see them. So, you know, they, um, they, 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 they'll have the, the calving, calving seasons where the cal- calves are born. And so you, you go to try and, uh, you know, see the cows, you know, see the cows hiding uh, with, uh, with their calves. But a lot of times they try to hide them. So be, don't go try jumping in the deep grass and doing anything. So get pretty, they'll get pretty protective and can be aggressive. But then by June, they're, they're, the calves are out. And you can uh, you can see them moving around with the herd. Then during the summer, they're um, they're 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 out out grazing, and the and the and the bulls are getting rapidly growing new altar, altars. Uh, and the the calves are grown, and it's a pretty uh, exciting time to see them. And then in the fall, the males is the mating season; they get into rut. And you'll see fights, and you'll see a lot of sounds. You'll see, you know, them. That, that's when they venture out of the mountains a lot because they go a long way to see what they can do and find uh, to find uh, mates. And then um, winter is pretty quiet; and it can be hard to get into there, but it can be fun to try to go up there and hike and, and find them. So, but it's often closed, so it's not something that you can do. Some great trails are up in the in the in, in the uh, Catalucci, and there's uh, there's something called Boogerman Trail, which is one of the most popular trail with hikers. There's a little Catalucci Trail that will take you by the old cabins in the church. There's the Rough Fork Trail, which is sort of an easy uh, two mile trip round trip that'll go to the Woody home site. Uh, and there's a little bit longer one if some people are more adventurous. And there's a there's a something called the Pretty Hollow Gap. Um, that's a it's a creekside hike up to Pretty uh, something called Pretty Hollow Gap. It's another gap in the mountains going over a ridge, so you get, get some great views. Now, Catalucci uh, is located in um, Jonathan Creek Valley, which is uh, now part of Maggie Valley. Um, and I grew up both in Jonathan Creek Valley and in Maggie Valley. I grew up in, a, in, a, in when I was on Jonathan Creek, I lived in something called Fox Run, 
um, which my grandmother uh, had and, uh, and, and actually made into one of the first subdivisions in the mountains. But it was very, it was uh, still very, uh, very rural. I, had a, I went to a one, one room, one room, uh, basically schoolhouse. But it's then, then my parents eventually bought the Metal Ark Motel in Maggie Valley, which you guys might have heard if you've listened to me before. And that's become our sort of our family homestead. This is like 45 years ago. And we moved into Maggie Valley and we became tourist, tourism experts. And, you know, there was a there was an amusement park called the Ghost Town in the Sky that was in Maggie Valley, which has since closed. That was the big draw and attraction. And it was a place where they, they reproduced old West shows and things like that. But Maggie Valley grew as a small, authentic mountain a tourist town with lots of little roadside hotels and motels and craft stores and arts and crafts and, you know, square dancing and, you know, everything sort of authentic, you know, mountain culture became, you know, uh, part of the culture of Maggie Valley. And to this day, Maggie Valley is one of the top little tourist towns in the North Carolina side of the mountains, but it's very authentic. It hasn't become commercialized to the extent that the Tennessee side has. Um, and it has a lot of history, uh, and it has it does have a lot of interesting shops and restaurants. It's got a lot of wood carvers there. It's got um, it's got uh, uh, it's got the Wheels Through Time Museum, which is this museum full of, of, of like millions of dollars worth of old motorcycles and old cars that still work. Uh, it's and actually world renowned museum. People come from around the world to see it. We have we have uh, pad we have you know there's paddling there's golfing there's zip lines there's lots of hiking there's bike trails um, there's a there's a ski resort uh, in in the mountains uh, in the in Maggie Valley uh, called Cataloochee Ski Area we um, we have a lot we have places that they do bluegrass authentic bluegrass Raymond Fairchild who was a multi uh, Grammy award winning bluegrass player. Uh, came from Maggie Valley, so we're very proud of that. Uh, we used to be called the world capital of clogging. There's a place called the Stomping Ground that still does, you know, stomping uh, does clogging all the time. Uh, and it's a great place to go, and uh, you have wonderful um, we, it, because it's right a valley in the mountains. You get wonderful uh, viewing of the fall colors and the seasons. We're part of the Quilt Trail, uh, and, and new things we got is we got uh, we've gotten some distilleries and breweries. We got the Elevated Mountain Distillery, which does whiskey and moonshine, Bear Waters Breweries, and uh, and, and there's a winery. Uh, we have um, a, we have a waterfall that's really great waterfall, part of the Waterfall Trail called the Soco Gar- Soco Falls. We can there's su- summer and winter tubing for kids, uh, and we have a we have a, a mountain heritage stream that goes right through Maggie Valley with really fresh water. And it's uh, and 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 there's uh, mount there's mountain trout and there's uh, rainbow trout that are stocked stocked in there, and then we have this great festival grounds called the Maggie Valley Festival Grounds, and it's uh, and where we have great music, Grammy award winning bands come there, and it's really close to our place, the Metal Arc Motel. So anyway, um, I'm going to tell you briefly about the other three uh, uh, entrances that we had when we come back, and then, and then we'll close the show. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Uh, and we're talking about the entrances on the North Carolina side of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Now, I was talking about Maggie Valley. There's another great little town that's not too far from Maggie Valley, and it's the only other side of Cherokee, and it's called Bryson City. And it's, um, it, uh, 
it's uh, also another great gateway to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park uh, with the really great uh, wildflower streams and it's part of the Appalachian Trail. Um, it's, uh, it's known for uh, whitewater rafting because both the Tuckasegee River is there and the Natahala River, River is there. And the Natahala River is, it was, it was uh, recommended by ABC's Good Morning America as the, as the number one place to spend a, white, a wet and wild vacation in the US, U.S. I remember going there as a kid, and they have these areas that are, you know, very simple and easy to go through. But they got some, I think they're called Class 4 rapids that the, the, the Marines and Navy SEALs come and train on. Um, so they got some really uh, crazy um, and great adventures. Um, I was I got adventurous one, and went down one that was a little bit more advanced than I could, and I was on the front of the, the raft, and a really uh, small guy was on the back, and it was the wrong place for me to be because we hit went down a little waterfall, you know, and I, I hit the bottom, and he came flying out because I pushed it down. He knocked me in, and I went in, and the, the raft went on top of me, and I was twirling around. It took me a minute to reach up and grab that thing and push it out of there. But uh, that was the more adventurous uh, 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 experience. I think the Natahala was where some of the Deliverance was filmed, too. It was Deliverance, that movie was filmed in that area. Uh, and no, the banjo player was not my relative, I don't think, but he could have been. <laughs> also, um, in uh, Bryson City, is there's a, a Smoky Mountain Trains Museum. And, of course, that goes along with the Great Smoky Mountains Railroad. They have a nice mountain railroad, and they have a they have a um, they have an old steam engine pulling cars and doing taking tourists on tours of the various small towns around the mountains, uh, and um, and they, you know they'll have they'll have food on these sometimes, and they'll have dinner, you know they'll have music, they'll have all sorts of different experiences, and they have one called the Polar Express, that's during the you know Christmas and winter time things for kids, uh, that's very popular. They also have a fly fishing museum uh, with, you know, with all sorts of fishing gear and, and fly rods from the 1800s. So there's two entrances near, um, near uh, Bryson City. And you have one that's called Deep Creek. And that, is, um, that has a lot of uh, popular river tubing, waterfalls, and campgrounds. It's just three miles from the Great Smoky Mountains, uh, from the railroad um, and uh, and, the, and Bryson City. It has lots of hiking on it. Um, so there's a lot of nice day trips from Bryson City. So you right up to go up to see the hiking, to see waterfalls. I mean, there's there's like several. That, you know, it's one of the areas that's got a lot of them. So it's a, it's a nice place to go if you want to see a lot of waterfalls just by hiking. You know, for near, near Maggie and Cherokee, there's some great driving trails to go see a lot of of waterfalls, but they have actually when the Jingdo see a bunch of them with the hiking. Um, there's so they got so they got some uh, creeks, you know, that are good for tubing almost all the time. You know, some of the towns like even Maggie Valley has great creeks that are good for tubing, but you've had to have a few days of rain first. Um, and you have great picnicking there. It's it's a great entrance um, uh, for going and just doing family fun, and it's easy to get to. The other entrance near Bryson City is, is called Lakeview Drive. And that's also just about three miles from downtown Bryson City. And it's, 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 it's actually better known as the, the road to nowhere. 
I mentioned this before, but uh, you know, w- when those people were leaving in the 1938 and 28, there was a lot of negotiations on, you know, what would happen after they lived left, because part of the area was also flooded for the for the uh, for the, there's a lake there called Lake Fontana, and um, you know, so leaving there, you know, so the people were leaving things like. You know, you know, homesteads and old and family graveyards. So, you know, they had a, an agreement to have a road along the Smoky Mountain side of the uh, Smoky Mountain uh, side of the lake that would go to where they could, you know, visit their loved ones and things like that. But it got caught up in budgetary concerns and problems, and it never got built. So there's this six mile piece that got built, and it went to a tunnel. And then it stops there. And on the other side of the tunnel, it goes into a trail, a hiking trail. So it's called the Road to Nowhere, and it's fairly famous. Um, and it's, you know, it's got a lot of beautiful and wonderful things to, to, to go. It'll eventually go to Fontana Lake. You can do a lot of hiking. There's a lot of, there's some natural, uh, there's some old buildings along the way. Several of the major trails go there, including, I think, another trail to Clingman's uh, Dome. So it's another way to get there, which is a is a great experience. And finally, the other um, the other entrance is, is near Fontana Lake. All right, now Fontana Lake is, um, is 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 actually besides Catalucci Valley is the other remote area of the Great Smoky Mountains because basically you have to get on a boat uh, on, uh, from uh, on the Fontana Lake and then have it take you across. To one of the small, uh, to small marinas on the other side, which is on the Great Smoky Mountains, and that's like a twenty-mile drive, and it's loc- that that is located near Robbinsville, right? And Robbinsville is another quaint little town, and it's in Graham County, um, and it's starting to be in the foothills of the of the mountains, and it has lots of uh, outdoor adventures, beautiful sceneries. And it's uh, it's a nice place to go to get a lot of uh, relaxation, and of course, it's it's built around uh, water and lake culture. And you know, you can you can rent boats, you can do lots of things in that sort of town. So we've got a lot of great small towns in the mountains. There's only a few of them I, I got to talk to you about um, where you can come and have a great refreshing and experience. You can you know you can get see stunning views. You can go home really happy. Because you've experienced, you know those um, those moments uh, in in travel that are worth living, and 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 you know it's a way to get rid of that despair that we all sort of existing in with this pandemic and politics and everything else. So let me uh, finish up with uh, you know why I'm doing this. I you know I've I got a family motel called the Meadowlark Motel. It's a classic roadside um, uh, motel that's been. Um, in my family for 45 years, and I think the motel itself is around 70 years old. Uh, it's been renovated. We've got some beautiful rooms. We have a huge facility for doing weddings, big big recreation area where we have fire pits, and, this goes, and a fishing stream goes through it. There's another stream, so we're actually at the confluence of two streams, which is very lucky for weddings. And people can have barbecues. We have usually during the summer we have a free barbecue every Saturday night. We have a, lots of music. A friend of mine is was a former drummer for the Simple Minds, exploring Scottish roots of Appalachian music, and he's playing there all the time. 
I have uh, another site called SmokyAdventures.com where you can go to to get listings about all these things I talk about, which is like you know, hiking and wedding places. And, and then you can also buy books and trail maps to help you explore the Smoky Mountains uh, and find other resources that are really great for your planning your travels in the Smoky Mountains. And then I'm part of Where Traveler Magazine's um, you know, network, and I have built um, – a section all about the Smoky Mountains, wheretraveler.com slash great Smoky Mountains with dashes between the and the where the spaces should be. And it's been around for eight years, uh, th- that magazine. It's got a lot of visitors, and we're doing more in-depth stories, profiles of experts and people interest stories that you can go there to to, to fill your, your anticipation for coming to the mountains. Next week, going to have Bob Plott. Bob Plot is a third is the third great grandson of Johannes George Plot, who first brought the Plot Bearhounds to America in the mid 18th century, and he's the great great nephew of Henry Plot, who introduced the breed to the Great Smoky Mountains in the early 1800s. He has got an incredible resume of of dealing with doing stuff in the cultural realm as well as the marketing realm. Um, he's written several books. And uh, he's full of information, and I think we're going to talk a lot about these plot hounds and their con- and, the, and the cultural impact that they had upon hunting and the mountains. And I look forward to having you again next week, same time, same channel. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Ciao.